Welcome to the Four Thoughts of Our Founders, the podcast of the Higher Education Leadership Foundation. We are practitioners, scholars, administrators, and researchers, and most importantly, we fancy ourselves as zealots of this sacred space, this space uh, known as the historically black colleges and university space. Got a special guest today. Uh, he is technically my president, the 30th president of Edward Waters College, the first historically black college in the state of Florida, um, and a solid dude who has uh, a toolbox that is replete with a bunch of tools, and we'll get into that. Why don't you welcome A. Zachary Faison, Dr. A. Zachary Faison, 30th president of Edward Waters College to the podcast. What's going on, my man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, brother. Brother Felton, I appreciate you uh, having me on. We're happy to have you here, brother. How's things going down in Duval County? They're going well. They're going well. Of course, uh, we are uh, responding to the COVID-19 crisis as are all of our sister institutions throughout the state, throughout the country. Uh, but we are holding up the bloodstained banner, as I like to say, and wow. uh, moving forward steadily. Uh, so things are well. You know, that's a really special place you got down there, my brother. You know, that's uh, that 1658 Kings Road. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, we were presidents here, if you didn't know. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you guys <laughs> can say that. <laughs> yes, sir. I think, right. I think you can say that. I, mean, I have many, many, many fond memories. Of course, it was the only institution that would give me an opportunity when I got out of the Marine Corps, so I'm forever indebted to dear old Edward Waters and uh, Jimmy Jenkins, who was the architect of the bridge program at that time. Um, And man, if it was not for um, his advocacy for the least of us, boy, I'm most certain that I would not be right here today, man. So I... Yeah, I, I love that place, man. Have many, many fond memories, and um, and you're doing well down there, man. The alums uh, are wrapping their arms around you and are appreciative of of your leadership, man. So thank you for uh, holding near and dear uh, something that is so special to uh, tens of thousands of us, man. We appreciate it. Well, I'm blessed to have this opportunity. Um, you know, Edward Waters College certainly has that rich historicity. Um, and of course, to you personally, and, and the, the great thing about it is there are so many Edwardians I've learned um, that they're most known as that have that same similar story um, that you just shared. And so, for 154 years, that's been um, our story, and um, that legacy certainly continues today. Yeah, and man. So I'm excited to be to, to join that lineage. Yeah, it's pretty dope, man. You know, a lot of people. Um, who did extremely well, and there just happened to be some of us who needed an opportunity um, have come through those portals, man. And so, rich history, rich history. Appreciate you, um, pre- appreciate you holding that banner, man. Where, 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 where is, where is Faison from? Who, who, who are you, dude? Where are you from? Man, I'm just a kid from the from the from the, from the east side of Atlanta, Zone Six. Uh, was born and raised in Decatur, Georgia. Um, so. Um, I'm a DSGB down south Georgia boy. Um, was raised um, by mother and father. My mother is an educator. My father um, was a computer programmer. I'm a third generation HBCU grad- oh, dope. graduate. Oh, 
but Where? from my mother's side, um, was a graduate of Morris Brown College. Okay. Um, both of my parents are HBCU graduates. My father's a uh, graduate of North Carolina A&T State University, and my mother's a graduate of Spelman College. Um, so HBCUs, as I like to say, are literally in my DNA. Yes, sir. Um, so, um, um, born and raised in Atlanta again, and um, spent most of my years uh, in, in the metro Atlanta area, and then um, had an opportunity to go to uh, Albany State University at HBCU in Southwest Georgia, the Albany State University, I have to say. Yeah, so um, so and, and, so coming through high school for you, it was not a matter of which HB. It was not a matter of whether you were going to an HBCU. It was just a question of which one of them. Well, you know, the interesting thing about that is that even I'm a third generation part of an HBCU, you know, and I've asked my parents about this. Um, they didn't really push HBCUs as the choice. It was you have to go to college. Now, okay. I mean, they didn't dissuade me from going to HBCU. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that I really grew up having a real appreciation for um, the exceptional culture, the exceptional preparation that HBCUs prepare until I got the opportunity to matriculate at Albany State University. But mm-hmm. you know, throughout high school, and I, I tell this story, I originally was planning to attend Morehouse College. I got accepted to Morehouse. And my senior year of college, my parents divorced. Um, and so it was the trial, and so um, it really came down to me going to an institution where I wouldn't have to pay a dime. Yeah. And the president at Albany State stepped in um, and offered me a presidential scholarship to go to Albany State. And so although, you know, my heart at that time was, was with Morehouse, my mama said, boy, you going where they going to give you the money. So, <laughs> so uh, down I-75, we went. Uh, down to Albany, as they call it, Albany, Georgia. Albany, um, Albany uh, Georgia. And uh, it changed my life. It truly changed my life. Man, I got a good friend who is there, who I was in the Marine Corps right now to this day, Kenny Bevel, Kenneth Bevel. Mm. He was in Courage, I think, and Fireproof. You know, the Christian. Okay. I, I can't think of the name of that church in Albany, but it's a pretty okay. big church. And they've yeah, done a lot um, of the Christian music, uh, movies. Oh, the movies, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, the name escapes me right now. Sherwood. 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 That's it. That's it. Yep, Sherwood. That's yeah, man. Yep, yep, uh, yep, yep, a good yep, buddy yep. of mine I was in the Marine Corps with, man. Got out of the Marine Corps and, uh, you know, the, you could tell the, the calling was on his life even back then because we called him Choir Boy. Um, but he is a, wow, I think wow. he might be a senior pastor there now, man, or one of the senior pastors okay. there, but yeah, that's my closest affiliation. I, then I got another partner who's in the Marine Corps who got out of the Marine Corps was with the Albany logistics base or something right there. So yeah, they have a, yeah, yeah, they have a big, big, uh, Marine logistics base installation in Albany. So, yeah, yeah. So I've been there a couple of times. I think it's a pretty neat little town, man. It is, man. I, like I said, I, I grew to love it. You know, growing up in Atlanta, you know, urban, you know, metro, real, real kind of, you know, uh, urban kind of environment. Literally, I tell folks all the time, I cried all the way to, to Albany State. I did not <laughs> want to go to Albany State. Um, again, I thought I was going to Morehouse, or I was also got accepted to American University in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. and my best friend at the time, was going to American. Um, I wanted to be a journalist. I thought I was going to be the next Stuart Scott. And so I was really, you know, heavily involved in sports and was a sports reporter and 
writing and communication and intern and CNN and TBS in Atlanta. And like I said, that was, I, I wanted to be on ESPN. Um, but God had another plan. God had another plan. So I literally cried all the way down I-75 wow. uh, to Albany State. But again, um, I would say that it's experience. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. So Albany State um, obviously prepared you for that next step, which was law school. Where talk, talk to us about that that period, man. Yeah, so my sophomore year at Albany State, um, I had the opportunity to take a honors uh, seminar course from a dynamic woman, uh, more dynamic that, uh, than I knew at the time by the name of Dr. Sheridan um, who was um, just a African-American woman and a uh, trailblazer in the state of Georgia in her own right. Again, I didn't know that at the time because she was so humble. I didn't find out until I actually was in my second year at the University of Georgia School of Law that she was the very first African-American woman to ever graduate from the University of Georgia School of Law. Wow. Um, and I had throughout my undergraduate career had taken at least four or five courses from her. She was my pre-law advisor. Um, you know, I mean, turned me on to summer law programs at Florida State University. Um, you know, wrote my letters of recommendation. Really was the one that, again, as I mentioned before, I had I really didn't have any intention going to law school, but she was the one that kind of birthed that 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 idea. Uh, Indian gave me the confidence that that I could I could do that. And again, so humble. She never she never told me while I was a student that she was the first black woman to ever graduate from UGA Law. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until again, like I said, my second year when the law school held a celebration of uh, I believe it was the 50th year anniversary of Brown versus Board of Education, and they invited her back. And and I'm like, what? Well, that's my professor from undergrad. Like, what is she doing up on? And that's when I found out <laughs> that she was the first African-American woman to graduate from University of Georgia School of Law. You know, wow. and since then, you know, she's been honored, you know, many, many times. But she spent 30 years after graduating from UGLA Law. She uh, worked for Georgia Legal Services. She spent 30-plus years as a professor at Albany State. Um, and really, to be honest with you, I don't think we ever, the Albany State community, ever really honored and revered her in the way that, um, she probably should have because many folks just didn't know. She didn't run around telling everyone that she was that trailblazing um, of, uh, of a giant. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but again, that Albany State experience, you know, but for Albany State, you know, what better, what, what better preparation could you have had than to have the first black woman to ever matriculate at the state's flagship university yeah. to be your mentor as an undergraduate you know, student going to law school. So, you, you know, it, it, just, it just really goes to show the tremendous transformative experiences that uh, uh, um, that these historically black colleges offer young people. Uh, so, yeah. You know yeah, what's yeah, fascinating, yeah. man, as I, as I think about, you know, easy Oguari, I was a political science major uh, at Edward Waters, and um, he taught over at UNF, um, he's uh, Nigerian of the Ibu tribe and mm. it really felt an obligation, which is what he would tell us all the time that we had a responsibility to go get the best education and bring it back to our people. 
So right, he right. was he was doing that. But what I didn't know, he and Cornelius Ejimafor were preparing me for law school before I even thought about going to law school. Our political science mm. quizzes, not quizzes, but exams, were either three to four hours of writing, period. Wow. And there were wow. no there were no there were no quizzes, no extra credit. It was like one exam, one grade. So for my last wow. two years and all my political science courses were that way. So as you can imagine, when you get to law school, most people don't know that there are no pop quizzes. There's no extra credit. Right. There is nothing but <laughs> exactly. that professor telling you on day <laughs> <And> one, <laughs> there's one exam. Pimp. You can come to class. You don't have to come to class. You do whatever you want to. But there's every day for the student and one day for the professor. And I'm going to see you at the end. Yeah, I'm learning it the hard way, man. We learned it the hard way. I I was a traditional student in the sense that, you know, went straight from high school, right into college, and went straight into law school. Um, And and I will, you know, I've I've shared this story many times. Law school was a colossal struggle for me. a colossal struggle. <laughs> you know what I mean, I, 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 again, I, I since found that that my experience was not necessarily a unique one, particularly at UJ Law. I was having a conversation last year with the uh, former president, uh, Judge Grimes, at Bethune Cookman University, and didn't know he was a UGA Law grad. I think he was like class class, like eighty one or eighty two, okay. state legislature. Okay. And we were talking and uh, just having conversations. And he asked, did I know someone? And I asked if he know someone. And then we found out during that conversation that he was a UGA law grad as well. But but anyway, he was sharing the same experience that he had in 81 that I had in from 03 to 2006. And um, it was a colossal struggle, man, just because, you know, I, I can truly admit I probably was not as mature as I needed to be. Like you said, um, you know, they'll say, hey, you don't have to come to class. No. You're good. Like, you know, you got one exam to the end. So I'm like, cool. You know, like, I've always been, quote, unquote, smart. You know, high school, you know, near the top of the class, senior class president, <laughs> presidential scholar, all these days. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, hey, look, y'all don't know face. I'm like, yeah. bro, I can't. I, y'all just don't realize who I am. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and you're describing you know, the entire class, your your entire law right. school class. Okay, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, like, to your point, like, so everyone here is the shiz yeah. wherever they've been. Like, yeah. this is a whole different game. So whole different level. My roommate, yeah, yeah, so my roommate, he was a college um, graduate, Phi Beta Kappa, he and I both, you know, had girlfriends at the time. So we went running all, you know, running all, you know, chasing after girls. And we like, man, we'll get to this lost split. They don't know. We'll, we can handle it. Right. Man, <laughs> them first semester grades came in. Hello, Hammerson. Mm, I ain't never seen grades like that in my life. I was <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> and so it was a, um, it was a, it was, it was quite, quite an experience, but um, through the grace of God, man, it truly was the grace of God. Um, you know, I was able to, uh, to to get things straightened out and and finish the course and um, complete my experience there. But it was a it was a harrowing that really, really challenged me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, not just academically, it really challenged me personally <laughs> to really mature and to never be in a situation again where I did not 
truly give something my all. Yeah. Um, where I'm having to come back and say, well, I wish I did this, I could have done this. If I had a pro, um, I could have or would have. Um, and so it was a real period of growth for me, um, you know, personally. And I think that lesson that I had in law school, um, I have replicated that, you know, in almost every, every fact going forward because I said I've never – ever. I decided at 23 years old, I said I'll never be in this position again mm-hmm. where I have not truly given it my all. And so I developed a work ethic out of that that I think is just second to none. You know, I'm not the smartest in the room, but I'm not going to be outworked. You're not going to outwork me, period. Like, that's just not going to happen. You, 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 might, you, you might get over me, but it won't be because <laughs> I didn't put in the work. Um, and so, you know, again, that, that experience really, really, really I um your 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 resume is is impressive, and I I don't say that um, lightly. We're going to move you. You graduated from law school, went into practice, found yourself in the higher education. How did how did that happen? Yeah. So interestingly enough, I graduated from law school, um, and my first job out of law school was in Washington D.C. So I had a and um, at the time, um, you know, I, I, and still to this day, everyone that's um, has a strong affinity um, for for the experiences that shaped them, you know, during their time, you know, attending the, those uh, these special institutions, especially. Um, and so, <laughs> ironically. Um, I was extremely vocal and critical about what I had always doing at the time. Uh, I was 26 years old, 26, 26 years old, uh, first job out of law school. So I was in D.C. And the, uh, there had been a presidential transition about a year before then. So when I was at Albany State, um, I certainly mentioned her because she was so, I mean, I, I try to, I, I really have tried to set the pace of my presidency in many respects, um, trying to emulate what the president at Albany State when I was there really demonstrated. And her name was Dr. Portia Holmes Shields, um, who was just a transformative leader, um, particularly as it relates to um, student success and really, really truly embodying what it means to be student-centered. I mean, you hear that all the time. It's kind of cliche, but literally um, everything that she did was about her students. Um, so so, so anyway, there was a tra- presidential transition going on at that time, and because of the affinity that I had for Albany State and that Dr. Shields had for what she called her presidential scholars, there, there's a kind of cadre of us mm-hmm. um, that came through the institution uh, she was there from about 96, I think, was in her first year there, and she was there from about 2005 or so. Um, and as a matter of fact, uh, Walter Kimbrough was my vice president when I was a student at Albany State. Oh, he was wow. the vice president for, for student affairs, so that's how I actually got to know him when I was an uh, undergraduate at Albany State. But uh, so just to kind of give you an idea, and of course, we know Dr. Dr. Kimbrough's leadership and his engagement with students, so that's what I, that's all I knew you know, as, as an undergraduate student in terms of what the engagement was supposed to be for right. administrators, right. for students. And so, um, 
again, I'm in my first year out of law school working a job in D.C. Uh, a UD publishing firm as a legal officer there. And there had been, a, again, a change in presidential leadership. And I was being extremely critical of the leadership because I felt that the leadership was not reaching out um, particularly to these presidential scholars, uh, many of whom have gone on to medical school, law school, engineers, you know, doctors. I mean, you name it. I mean, this group of, uh, of students really kind of were setting the pace for uh, the institution, and I felt the institution was not doing an adequate job in reaching out to us, keeping us engaged, keeping us informed. And so I think I may have called the president's office um, at that time, and the president's office sent me to the vice president for um, institutional advancement. The name is Angela Getter, was the vice president for institutional advancement. Okay. And um, I wrote her out probably just like, I, you know, anyone that knows me knows that you know, I like to write. I can be quite verbose. I, I know I wrote at least probably like a 10 paragraph. Loquacious. Right. <laughs> 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 Taking her to task, taking the president to task. I mean, wow. I was one of those alums, man. And um, she picked up the phone and challenged me and said, "Well, you know, you, you, this, this institution has given you so much. You're a presidential scholar. You left here not owing anything. You've gone on to one of the top twenty-five law schools in this country. You're in D.C. You talking about it, but why don't you be about it? I need a director of alumni affairs." Mm. I was like, whoa, that ain't really what I was expecting. Mm -hmm. I'm in D.C. I got a six-figure salary. I went to law school to become a lawyer to practice. This is what I'm doing. I, I had no higher education, a future in higher education, much less coming back to Albany. You know, I love Albany State, but I had no desire to leave D.C. to go right. back to Albany, Georgia. Right. But, but, but she really challenged me. Um, in ways that I, 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 I was not expecting. And she talked about um, how much Albany State needed me as a graduate, uh, how what I, they needed someone that could articulate that message um, back to their alumni. I think our alumni giving at that time was extremely low. Um, and so she offered me literally all on the spot. She said, you got so much to say come be the director of alumni affairs at your alma mater at 27 years old. <laughs> um, and I took her up on it, took a pay cut um, and said, you know what? You're going to call me out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to come and I'm going to do it. Okay. And um, that, that was how I started. So 2007, uh, 27 years old, I became the director of alumni affairs at my alma mater um, and uh, cut my teeth and advanced. Um, and really, you know, had the opportunity to learn so much from um, from Angela Getter. Um, introduced me to some of the real, real, you know, giants um, within development in the HBCU space. Yeah. You know, had an opportunity through her. She had worked at Spelman College formerly under Dr. Cole. Mm -hmm. uh, had an opportunity to kind of be mentored by her and and, and, and connect with folks like Billy Sue Schultz, who was the vice president for. Uh, development under Dr. Cole at Spelman, that, yep. you know, got the Cosby gift and the Oprah gift, and you know got to you know learn the history of the uh, the uh, the crazy, uh monies that were put at the different institutions, and and, and and you know got an opportunity to get a certification in fundraising management through the philanthropy school, um, which at the time UNCF was actually, and I think it was third, for 
young development professionals to um, go through the philanthropy school and get the certification. So, you know, all of that really came about um, because Angela Getter, the vice president, you know, called me out and gave me that opportunity. Um, so did that uh, actually transition to Edward Waters College, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, she was named vice president for advancement at Edward Waters and so came to Edward Waters first. In 2009, 2009 was uh, was uh, at, at EWC, um, and I just gotten married. My wife and I moved to Jacksonville from Albany, and um, just loved the campus. I mean, it's small, it's quaint, yeah. um, but the, the thing about it was that the people. Oh my gosh! I mean, we just fell in love with the people. Uh, the people were just so, and the students. Um, we we forged relationships with students that then that we still have to this day. Yeah. Um, and and, and, and you know, the interesting thing was we said at the time, we said, man, if we ever get a chance to come back to Jacksonville, not even thinking about Edward Waters as much, but just, man, if we ever get a chance to come back to Jacksonville, we, 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 we will. But so I was in at Edward Waters uh, as director of uh, external relations and um, and development um, at EWC. Uh, and, and then I was at EWC, only, I was here about nine or 10 months, and I tell this to young administrators all the time, you never know who's watching you. Yeah. Uh, the provost at that time, um, who I, I, I did not, I was not in a room with her for more than five minutes mm-hmm. at EWC. The provost at Edward Waters was named president uh, out at Mississippi Valley State University. She mm-hmm. was named the first African-American woman to ever lead a state university. Um, in the state of Mississippi, um, Dr. Donna Oliver. Okay. Um, and so Dr. Oliver was named president out at Mississippi Valley. And when she got there, she asked me to come with her. Yeah. And again, I had never, literally, I, 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 I hadn't been in her presence to have a conversation more than five minutes in those nine months. So, But again, you never know who's watching. No doubt, no doubt. So the, the resume... Um, You've you've been unique in that you've you've traversed in just about every space, the student affairs space you've done, you know, Virginia Union, you've done enrollment management, you've done chief of staff at Mississippi Valley, you've done alumni affairs. So you've hit just about every space that gives you practical not theoretical, but practical experience for right. um, for leading an institution. How, what what when did you when did you think you were ready um, to lead? And and was that um, was that affirmed by anyone else, or was that just a gumption that that you came to, or that you had? Um, that was rooted out of your experience and looking around the room and saying, yeah, I, I think I can do uh, what everybody else in this room is doing. When, when did that happen for you, bro? I, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I never thought that I could lead <laughs> as a president. I, even, you know, all the way up until that first day when I was sitting in the office, I was like, ooh, I, I, this is, mm, uh I, I didn't get that. I, I didn't. I, I wish that I could say that I had that level of confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, I can say that other people saw that in me. Um, again, when I was uh, when I got the opportunity to follow Dr. Oliver to Mississippi Valley, 
um, she would say to me, um, you're going to be a president. Um, you know, Angela Getter would say to me, you're going to be a president. Um, Claude G. Perkins, who uh, recruited me to come to Virginia Union after Mississippi Valley. Again, you never know who's watching. Did not know at the time. He came to visit Mississippi Valley. Was an alum of Mississippi Valley. Um, and I was chief of staff, and he watched me work, unbeknownst to me, and then uh, invited me to, to join his team as vice president for enrollment management student, student affairs at Virginia Union. Um, he would say to me, uh, I'm preparing you for the presidency. So um, how, did, how did you but get? But I never, I never, I never had that. Chance. So what? How did how did Edward Waters happen? And and did you and did you were you a part of any other search before that, or was this was this the one opportunity um, that came before you? And, and and did you did you say hey, I'm going to submit my information? Did somebody put your name in? How, like how did that happen? Yeah, so so um, it was kind of. And it, yeah, so it, kind of as you laid out, I had been blessed to have the opportunity to, you know, be in the development space and be a vice president for institutional advancement, be a vice president for enrollment management student affairs, be a chief of staff. Um, uh, and then, you know, my last step before uh, coming to Edward Waters, I was at Tuskegee vice president and general counsel. So, you know, really had had that broad experience. And so it really was kind of, Again, almost kind of an inevitable next step. Um, I, I didn't seek the Edward Waters opportunity. Of course, you know, you have these you know, search firms that are out here. Um, and I think it was, I won't name the search firm, but they, they reached out. Um, I guess my name had popped up and, and they reached out. I thought about it um, pretty seriously after, you know, about it because we had been at Edward Waters before. Um, and again, knew the city of Jacksonville, um, had four and we really, really had to pray about it because I don't, I don't mind saying now, um, you know, I was very pleased at Tuskegee, to be honest with you, that Tuskegee job was my dream job, mm-hmm. um, to be a lawyer, to be a lawyer and to be able to be for me, um, I knew that I always wanted to be a lawyer in a black space you know, doing stuff for black people. Like I said, I'm intentionally black. So I, I knew that I wasn't looking for a corporate kind of opportunity. So for me to be able to marry a place that has the historicity of a Tuskegee University and for me to be, you know, 30, 35 years old, six years old as a general counsel of a top 10 historic black college and university, again, such a rich history like Tuskegee, I literally could have done that job for the next 20, 25 years mm-hmm. um, and been happy achieved what I needed to achieve in my life. Um, and so, you know, when the Edward Waters College opportunity came, um, I really had to do a lot of soul searching um, because I was not starry-eyed around the presidency, as you find a lot of folks are. Uh, I thank God for my experience as a chief of, as a chief of staff to Dr. Oliver at, 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 at Mississippi Valley because there's nothing like being in the seat, but in my experience of having been, having been a vice president and also having been a chief of staff, the closest thing to being in the seat, at least in my experience, was that chief of staff role. Um, and what I saw, <laughs> what her work schedule was literally, I mean, sometimes 20 hours a day, mm-hmm. literally, all day, every day. You can never please the students. You can never please the alumni. I mean, the board politics. I mean, just everything. I was 
like, shot it ain't for me. I, I'm good off that. <laughs> it, like, it's um, it's certainly know. different, you know, as a vice president, um, you're able to go home. Um, and if, if, you, if you're serious about the craft and the craft uh, dictates that you don't just get to go home and relax, the reality is, is that the, the vice presidency is oftentimes internal um, and right. the presidency is external and internal. And so right. when, when folks are going home at night at five o'clock, they're done. Um, right. and, and the presidency requires something from you, um, you know, a little, a little after five. Right. Right. And particularly at our institutions, you know, I mean, our, our institutions need many times a lot of attention, um, you know, it, 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 it's a 24-hour, literally can be a 24-hour. I got to see that up close and personal. So I was a sorry eyed of just, you know, jumping for um, to be in a presidency. But again, the EWC opportunity came around, and they reached out. Um, and I, I sought a lot of counsel. I mean, I don't, I don't think I don't, I don't mind being transparent on this podcast. Say I called you. You know, I called Dr. Kimbrough. I called Dr. Uh, uh, Dr. Perkins. I talked to, of course, my mom, my dad. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I thought just about everybody's counsel, and I, I was, I was hoping someone would tell me no. I'm gonna be honest with you. Well, I was hoping. I, I think that I, I would come th- all these things, and somebody would miss me like, no, no, I think you shouldn't. I don't think you should do it. And nobody told me that. Well, you know, at the end of the day, man, that really isn't um, a negative um, or a con that is so bad that a person shouldn't really explore uh, the opportunity. I, I think I was, I was chatting with McCola uh, at Virginia State and he said something that was so profound um, in that after he, gotten a, he had gotten a phone call that he was going to be the presidency, he said that the gravity of that decision um, of the board's decision to name him uh, was something that he he just couldn't fathom. It was like life altering. It altered his family's uh, trajectory. Like it it was so impactful in so many different ways that you don't really think about while you're going through that process. So I th- I think that's what I'm hearing uh, a little bit from yeah. you as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. You know, we decided to throw our hat in the ring. Um, it was the first time I had I, I had ever you know applied for um, a presidency, um, and so it was kind of my first foray into it, um, and and kind of all of what that encompasses from the interview and the fly-in visit. Um, then you come back for another visit. Um, and my my uh my uh my experience was probably a little a little unique because. The, the, the two finalists, when it came down to the two finalists, we actually were on campus on the same day. So that was pretty interesting. Um, uh, that's and, that's and, pretty and, similar uh, to a lot of them, bro, believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah. yeah, we were on campus. So it was almost like a, you know, it was almost like a mono mono like okay, Definitely weird. Room and, it's weird, yeah, right? Yeah, the students, the faculty. I mean, but we were on the same day. So it's like yeah, yeah. he came in and, and, and did his, and then I came in, and it was so it was um, – it was it was it was interesting. I will say I kind of enjoyed it because it put me back in that legal space. It kind of was like, hey, we're going to trial. Like, let's yeah. get it. Let's go. Let's you know. Um, 
but it was, um, you know, obviously it turned out to be a, a positive experience um, for me. I will say that there was some consternation kind of at the 11th hour, and I, I don't mind sharing this, but I think that, you know, if there are, uh, you know, administrators that are, that are wanting to jump into, you know, presidential search processes, you need to make sure that you thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly search your heart because it is, it's not just a you decision, it's, it's truly a family decision. Because um, at the 11th hour, uh, Tuskegee made a, made, a, made a pretty big run to keep me there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, there was, there was some consternation like, well, you know, should, 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 is, is Edward Waters the right, the right presidency? Um, mm-hmm. Because I think, again, not wanting to be starry-eyed, not wanting to jump at the first thing, I think fit is so critically important. I've seen and, and know great people who were, were 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 great presidents in their own right, mm-hmm. but they for that institution. You know, um, that's, and that's, so that that that's, that was yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I think at that point, that was really you know the search for me, for my family, my prayer, and my prayer. Um, it was the right institution for me because I think at that point my confidence had grown to the point that I felt because so many people were saying it that I would be a president so it was not a matter of if I will be a president but Lord am I going to be am I going to be positioned to the at, at the right institution such that I can make a and number two so that I can be successful you know so that the institution can be successful so that I can remain a president not just become one yeah. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think so, that's you know, where we kind of went through the interview process. I was interviewing them as much as they were interviewing me. Absolutely, you know? so. absolutely. I think that's one. You know, the dean, who we affectionately call him, the dean Walter Kimbrough, because uh, he was in mm-hmm. the game probably for a long time by himself in terms of yep. um, being a millennial. At well, he wasn't a millennial, but you know, whatever class he was in. Um, he was one of the youngest for some time and Kimbrough never shies away from what he think his greatest fit is in terms of helping people through this process. He likes to help people figure out fit. And if you're ever around Dr. Walter Kimbrough, he talks about fit, fit, fit. And that fit is all encompassing, yeah. you know, looking at the boards yeah. and how they behaved over years, looking at That's how, it. how, you know, the institutions have chewed through presidencies. It's about That's fit. It. Yeah. That's it. That's it. And, 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 you know, I had that conversation with a number of, you know, you know, city presidents and former presidents. And of course, I shared that as well. And, you know, I, I give a quick example. So I, I knew for me that at least where I was in my career at that time, I wanted to serve at a small private institution. Um, I knew that that, that would be a fit. I'm, I'm also unabashedly uh, Christian. I, I love Jesus. I want us to be able to invoke his name. <laughs> so I also knew that culturally, uh, having a, an understanding of the African Methodist Episcopal tradition that that was something that was favorable to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, me and my family and my, 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 my morals, my beliefs, my values would fit within the framework, you know, of this particular institution. Um, and hearing from the board in terms of what they, what they wanted, you know, 
So coming, so coming behind such a prolific, prolific giant um, in the form of Dr. Nathaniel Glover, mm-hmm. um, who really just transformed EWC during his eight years as president, being a native son of Jacksonville, and recognizing the tremendous work that uh, he was able to lead, but hearing the board also say, and not diminishing any of his laudable accomplishments, but saying that we're looking for someone to change things. Yeah. Um, to, I, th- to I think it's the needle forward. Yeah, and, and you know, but but I, I want to touch on something that you mentioned. Um, you articulated what some people um, probably understand better than others, which is you have to have when you go into any. Um, and I, I don't want to make it all about the presidency, but when you go into any position. Right. Um, you've got to have your list as well. You've got to have things that are non-negotiable for you. Um, And so as I listen to you articulate what faith meant to you and what being that small private meant to you, um, those things were, you know, on your radar for what you needed um, and had to have to make, you know, obviously you feel really comfortable in being able to do your best work at, at an institution, wherever that might be. Right, 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 right. And I knew, again, you know, and, and I think that that can evolve over time. I mean, based upon where you are, it should. what your experiences <laughs> have been, you know, that, that might be able to, that, again, you know, it, it very well can evolve. But I knew given, you know, i give you this perfect example. You talked about when you were at, at and I'm going to just officially call it E-Dub. Uh, when, when, when you were at E-Dub, we had a summer bridge program. Well, when I got to E-Dub, we didn't have a summer bridge program. At a small private, all I have to do is find the money, and I can, I can start a, I can, I can start a summer bridge program. In Texas, I'll just use Georgia for example. That's a, that's a whole bureaucracy. That's a whole, you know, I, I got to get state approval. I got to get the, the, the and, and just my personality. I want to do what's best for my students. Well, the and, and in my experiences, many times on the state side. You know, it's like, no, we, you know, the HBCUs often are not the drivers of policy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's wherever the behemoth, you know, big PWI is, and the, and the HBCU gets in where it's in. And, and, and knowing who I am, that ain't going to work for me. They ain't going to fire me. If yeah, I, I, you know. Because I, I knew I wasn't going to be in a room and I say that. Yeah, well, you know, the thing is uh, the agility. Uh, of being a small private, it it just affords you the opportunity to look at um, policies and procedures and say, does this make sense? Does this work for us? Um, If it doesn't, let's change it. Oftentimes it's a quick note to the board just uh, for perpetuity sakes. This is what we're doing. We're changing this. Yay or nay. It's not really a yay or nay thing. It, the the agility of being private, there is almost right. nothing like it. Um, yeah, and yeah. being I, able I, to move when you want to that, is, is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't really realize that I could attribute that to you know Clyde Perkins, Dr. Clyde Perkins at Virginia Union. I mean that I, I watched him be able to maneuver from a business perspective, from a uh, perspective, from a perspective um, with 
such autonomy, and but, but it wasn't autonomy just for autonomy's sake. It was autonomy to best meet the needs of the students that we serve, and mm-hmm. he was able to do that, like you said, with, with such you know flexibility um, that, that that we didn't get caught up in in, in the bureaucracy. Yeah, how many, of, how of, of being able to act. How many baby boomers did, did do you think you worked for? Oh man. Um, I think every boss I worked for has been a baby boomer. Did and you, the ones who have poured into me most, if I talk about, you know, Dr. Portia Home Shields, yeah. Miss Angela Getter, uh, Dr. Claude Perkins, Dr. Donna Oliver, all of them are from that baby boomer generation. Um, I, I'm, and, I am so grateful yeah. that um, I had 10 years up under uh, Dr. Jimmy Jenkins. Um say what you will about him he ha- he is one of the longest sitting presidents not at one place but he did 12 or 13 at elizabeth city he did 13 down at Edward waters and he might be he might be yeah yeah and he might be in year 14 at living so he's 35 plus man and Working for a baby boomer taught me one thing that I value more than anything else. Um, it ain't about you. It's about others. And right. pride will kill you um, if you have too much of it. And right. when right. I got there, I you know, I had a law degree as well. And my 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 thought of being the executive assistant was, you know, coming into the office and, and doing fact patterns and saying, Mr. President, this is what's going on. This is my advisement, <laughs> writing letters. Man, I got coffee. I nah. went picked up cleaning. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. And I did it that with a smile. <laughs> yeah, I did too. I mean, I, I, was, I was the chauffeur. I drove up and down. Absolutely. With the I, I can tell you all across the Mississippi Delta. Yes, I was sir. driving Miss Daisy. You know what I mean? And, and I did it with a smile. Yes. And, and, and I tell my staff, man, I'm saying, if I'm asking you to do something, you tell me that's not in my job description, then you're not cut out for leadership. Mm-hmm. Don't, you just, just, I, I tell you what, you put yourself in a box. Because when I was when I started out as special assistant to the president at Mississippi Valley, and Dr. Oliver gave me the opportunity to do work in athletics, to do work in enrollment management, to do work in student affairs, it would have been a, 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 a very um, career-limiting decision <laughs> for me to have said, well, that's not in my job description. That's yeah, crazy. You I, got a I, president that's entrusting you with that level of experience, and you're you not, you, as my mama said, you ain't got enough good sense yeah. to recognize the tremendous value in that person entrusting you with that level of responsibility that's only going to broaden your portfolio and experiences. But I tell you, man, that's a, that's a bane of my existence because I yes, see sir. that a lot with young administrators right now. I mean, I was low key ooh. scared of Jimmy Jenkins, man. I'm not going to even kid you, bro. <laughs> I, I was low key scared. Um, you know, to disappoint him, it wasn't even about being afraid of him. I was just, a, I was scared to fall short because this guy right. had, demonstrated that uh, advocacy for all of us 
and a little special uh, portion more for the least of us was right. the way to be, man, I, I just, I had never met anybody like that. And so my yeah, reverence yeah, for yeah. him and, 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 and think about this, bro. I was, I was, um, a student of his and mm. then came back and worked for him. So I've had the, the, the student experience, wow. the mentee experience, and then the employee experience. And by far the yeah. best was the mentee. Uh, because I yeah, was uh-huh. a hell raiser down at Ever Waters, bro. I called them. I called. I called. I called Child of Four on them, talking about that food in the cab, bro. Oh, Lord. Don't hold the wheels. None of my students listen to this. Lord. Yeah. So it was. I'm, I'm, but, but, you know, my, my, my point and the takeaway here is, is that he taught me how to serve. Um, and, and that's one of the things that I grapple with, uh, as a leader now is how do I, how do I find people who have a spirit, um, of understanding what it means to serve first? I mean, servant leadership right. is for me, the only way to go. I, and, and fortunately for me, I think I have a really solid team right now. Um, but, right. but, but that is the one thing that most of our colleagues, m- most of us commiserate about is finding right. people who are who are really serious about serving. I don't want anybody. And they're working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want and anybody want walking behind me, uh, you know, treating right. me like I'm, uh, you know, a god or anything. I, I just want people who right. want to be in the fight, in the struggle with me. And and and, 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 and to your point, and, and that want to serve with excellence without excuse. Yes, sir. Excellence without excuse. No you doubt. Know, I, I, you know, I tell everyone, I, I don't want to disappoint. Dr. Perkins, I didn't want to disappoint Dr. Oliver because, again, you know, I, I'm, I'm in my early 30s. I mean, I was a, a, a came VP for enrollment in the student affairs at 33. Um, and so I realized that they were taking a chance on me. I had never worked in enrollment management student affairs in my life. Mm-hmm. And and for a president, a sitting president, to put that kind of, I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't want to make them out to, you know, the naysayers to be right about them having a or 28 year old chief of staff. Yeah. So I was going to make sure that I owed it to them to not just serve them, but to serve them with excellence without excuse. That's something that I said. I tell my excellence without excuse. I don't want to hear the excuses. Get, get the job done. Like if that means that I got to, you know, fill up my own gas tank, you know, to get to Jackson because I, I'm the registered state lobbyist and we need this money because I got we got residence halls that are that that that, that have you know uh, 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 that need repair. I'm gonna get it done. I'm not looking for oh well, you know they're supposed to re- reimburse me ninety seven dollars and I hadn't got it yet, so I ain't going. <laughs> What? Like that? I know I'm saying like that's what I you know they. I'm only laughing because I I, I, I I hear many instances of that. And, <laughs> you know, Doctor, I th- I think I think what you what they did, what we didn't recognize then, but are practicing it now, is the we they prescribe to the notion that they'd they'd be comfortable with a smart person with a desire to learn and serve over right. a person who had a ton of experience and were questionable yep. on the other space, right? Because yep. you get yep. to mold yep. that person. And 
if you right. take a smart person, they they can learn. Now, I'm not gonna play with a business and finance space. I need I need right. a we practitioner right. there. No doubt. But no everything doubt. else, no man, doubt. I I'm literally hey. like I will take a smart person, somebody that I think has that that ingenuity, then that intuitiveness. Means, yeah, right, right, like right. I will pick and plug and and be good with it. I you know, <laughs> but I, I with business and finance. My, my, my team, yeah, my team is. You know, we'll be, you know, interviewing a candidate. And they're like the experience. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, because of my own personal experience, I default to you just described. I'm looking for someone that, that, that smart. They may not have the 20 years of experience. I don't have 25 years and 30 years of experience. I ain't even 39 years old. So, I mean, I'm looking for passion, uh, a commitment to excellence, a commitment and a record. You give me this opportunity, I'm going to run with it. There's no way I'm going to be the best at what I'm doing. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, and that's I, rare. I, what I'm finding is that that's, that's, you know, that's why I'm so thankful for what you and the team guarded up in health because, you know, I think that it is the space, it is the, it's the incubator for helping to mold the kind of leaders that our institutions so desperately are seeking and, and, and need. Um, and so just, 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 you know, shouts out to you, man, and, and yeah, Dr. French and Dr. Pinkard yeah. and Melvin, the whole crew, man, for, for having the vision and, and the foresight um, to, to, to build that, again, that incubator. That, that's producing the kind of leaders that I, that our institution so desperately needs. Yeah, we're we're trying to get it right, man. You know, we we have no idea. Um, we had no idea how um, health would 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 move. We had, but what we came to understand fairly fairly quickly was that there was an appetite, um, an insatiable one for um, a a need for a convening of like minds. Um, and, and more right. than more than that, but building a, a community of practitioners too. And so when we think about right. you know what what has happened, man, it, it it we're really floored every every time we get together. We're like, which is weekly, you know, we're like still can't believe where health is now and where where it's going. And so we're grateful, and we're grateful to have uh, support. Uh, from folk like you, man, who who went through health and who has yeah. been rocking with health. Um, well, gamma cord, yeah, no yeah, yeah. Me, so and me, me and my boy yeah. Hakeem, gamma <laughs> cord, man. <laughs> the good preacher, the good preacher. Yes, sir. So, no, sir. so as as Rudy McKissick uh, Jr. would say, let let's cut across the field and talk about. Okay. Um, let's talk about um, you know the skill sets that this next generation um, should have um, and mm. and some of the pitfalls that we you could um, give advice as to what um, folks should do to make sure that they don't fall into into unnecessary landmines and pitfalls uh, that that could ensnare uh, their 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 opportunities for ascension not just to the presidency, yeah, yeah. but but moving up and, and making a difference. Yeah, I, that's rich. I mean, there's so much that, that we can talk about. I think some, some of the first things that come to mind, and, and, and not to belabor it, but you know, be the best at, at, at what you're doing. You know, be, 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 be committed to being the best at where you are. 
right I, now. You know, when, when I'm talking, yeah, right now. Yeah. I mean, when I when I, I I talk to you know other young folks, you know other you know administrators that are you know around my age or even a little younger, some even older. That I'm, I mean, that are so focused on. I want to be, how'd you become a president? How'd you become a president? And, and reflexively, I, I tell them every time, make a name for yourself as vice president for fill in the blank. Let me, let me, let, let your work, let your work be so dynamic, so innovative that as a president, I've heard of you as a vice president. Mm-hmm. Let that be your focus. Instead of your focus being, what can I do? How can I maneuver myself politically or what have you? to be noticed. Let your work speak for you. Um, That's been my experience. You know, every, every step that I took, um, you know, and I'm not saying this just to be pompous. I didn't have to interview for a job until I became president of EWC. Yes, sir. I'm just being, keeping it real. Like other people need me within the space, not because I went and made myself or, you know, was all up in people's faces, but my work spoke for me. I think, and I think, so I was thought at. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. I think I think it's what allows you to get into interviews and have conversations as opposed to having an interview, right? Because if you've if you've done the work, um, then it's conversational, um, right. and it is these hypotheticals are uh, you're able to respond with instances that actually happened. Um, right. But right. but but I hear you. Being excellent where you are is the quickest way to yeah. get to where you want to go. That and, and embrace em- yeah, yeah embrace diversity and not. I mean, I'm, I'm, when I say diversity, I mean diversity and experience. Kind of kind of going back to that, you know, job description thing. So if you're the vice president for enrollment management, you know, and, and you're on the cabinet and you have an opportunity. You know, the president tasked you to be on a, uh, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a subcommittee or a task force, you know, that's related to development. Yeah, you probably need to do that if you if you have aspirations of becoming a president, because there's no way that you're going to be able to be effective in the presidency if you don't have some acumen for fundraising. And I'm not just talking about writing grants. Like, you got to be able to go out and fundraise and cultivate relationships and know the difference between, a, a, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, prospect cultivation and, and what it means, you know, a major gift, an annual fund. I mean, you you need to know, you know, some of these basic kinds of things and, and, and vice versa. If you're, you know, a development professional and you get an opportunity to work in athletics or, or enrollment management or student affairs or academic affairs, take that opportunity and don't be talking about Oh, well, I'll do it if you give me an extra $10,000. It's short-sighted. I mean, you, you, you're limiting your own career. I mean, I get this all the time. Well, I'll do it if you give me another five grand. I'm like, no, you're good. That's all right. Don't worry about it. I got you. You're going to stay right in that position. You know, at, at every turn, when I got off of those opportunities, I took on everything. Probably too much because I was looking at it like this. Hey, if I get to, 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 to be the, for the athletic director, that means I, I, I'm going to have an opportunity to learn all about what's needed at the NCAA level, See, but you, I, know, I, APR, you know, all I, of that. But I, I think you're missing. I think you're missing a, a critical point. When and 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 the the point is that many folks are reading these manuals about um, negotiating salaries. Uh, they're filling in the blanks with these. Um, these uh, 
Instagram quotes and these um, these these uh, YouTube videos about how to manage and how to show up and I think people have to be first student of the environment students of the environment right right? so if you know that we're a distressed asset and we're cash strapped uh, and we're having challenges Look oh, at look at it yes, as sir. an opportunity to put something on your belt, as opposed yes, to sir. saying, "Yeah, I will do it if uh, something else comes along with it." I I'm not and going to lie to you. If you will call yourself a senior leader, dude. But let me tell you something. You're a senior leader. I made that <laughs> I made that mistake <laughs> with Jimmy Jenkins, bro. He um he. He took me to task, and I'm so grateful because I was in advancement, and we had a void in student affairs. And I was excited because I was thinking about, oh, wow, I'm getting ready to continue my advancement. Somebody come up. Yeah, I'm about to come up. And it wasn't wasn't even about money, right? But it was about the opportunity to, to, to... you know, to build my toolbox. So we have this wonderful conversation, this great conversation, and we're getting ready to walk out and he's getting ready to introduce me to the the student affairs space. And I say, Uh "Um, so does this come with any money? And the entire (laughs) mood Chains. Oh shit! And he right. he turned around. <laughs> he said, "He said, uh, uh, Dr. Felton, uh, 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 let me talk to you for a second. And I was like, "Oh, oh Lord. shit!" I'm it. <laughs> so he said, "Let me let me explain to you. The experience that I'm about to give you would not and could Man. not compare to the extra ten thousand dollars that I may have given to okay. you." And right. Right. I was going to give you that, but I'm not now. Going now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Dude, and I just me. I just looked at him and said, Yes, sir. And yeah, I but yeah, but yeah. I drove so hard um right. to make sure that we did not skip a beat in the student affairs right. space. And right, then right, the right. next time came around, I was the athletic director for a whole year. And wow. yeah. let me tell you something, dude, I had experiences on top of experiences mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and I never got any money until like I was getting pay raises every year because I was grinding, right? Like I kept right, my right, head right, down. Right. I, I served that dude in ways that, that, um, I'm really proud of now, but right. I didn't get a pay raise for additional responsibilities until I came to senior vice president and chief operating officer. And but right. but after right. that moment, I knew I'm never asking this dude for a penny. And so, <laughs> so, so what I do now to make sure right. that I don't uh, get angry with someone, I will tell them up front, look, ain't no money, uh, but right. but I need you to go over here. And so that right, that, right, right. that that helps me insulate myself from being disappointed. <laughs> right, right. Um, right, but right. but I right, think it's right. natural. But and I think that's... if people can really think about the value that you're adding to your personal brand, it will right. sort of um, you know smooth over and, and, the notion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean. Keep it a thousand. I mean, we're not suggesting I mean, for anyone that it might be. It, the suggestion is not 
that, you know, you, you, you be abused or taken advantage of. No. Not, none of, no, none no, of my, no. none, of, none of the mentors that, you know, blessed me and poured into me, it, it, that was not the spirit with which, um, you know, I took on these additional responsibilities. So that's not what I'm suggesting at all. No, 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 no. I, was, didn't, I didn't think for one second you know, that was it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know the, the spirit was always, hey, I'm entrusting you with this because that's right. in, in many respects, you're the, you're the person that I, we always think it was, I trust you with this, Faison. Yeah. And so my spirit in response was, thank you. Like, I'm, 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 I am, um, that you feel that way about me and what I've demonstrated for you, that you would give me that responsibility. Man, listen, you know. Um, and you, that's the way I always saw it. You know what I wanted more than anything else, Faison, while I was under the employ of Jimmy Jenkins? I wanted for him to, to say, great I, job. I, not, mm-hmm. not only that, it wasn't even that. I wanted to get that phone call after hours. When something needed to be done, be done. I yeah, wanted yeah, to be yeah. the person to be the one, yes, yeah, sir. yeah, yes, sir. Yep, yep. That yep. that was it for me. And, and what I found, those were the things that will propel you. Those are those 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 soft skills. Those are those things that, to me, are the characteristics that separate leaders. Yeah. Um, you know. So yeah, man. I, I, that that's been my experience. You know, as well. You know, and I, I think you know. The other lesson that I would say is, you know, inspect what you expect. Mm. Um, inspect what you expect. That's something I got from Dr. Clyde Perkins. Um, if you expect it, you better inspect it. Mm. Don't, you know, I, I tell folks on my team all the time right now, um, you know, if, if, if for residents, if Mars Cone was supposed to be clean yesterday, don't come and tell me it was clean and you didn't put your eyes on it. You know, it, it's almost, you know, not that I'm a Republican, but when Reagan said, trust but verify. Yes, sir. That was one of Jimmy <laughs> Jenkins' favorite things. And you know, trust but verify. You know, make sure that your word is your bond. What's, you know, what's, be, be accountable. As as president now, what how, how do you filter through information that you get from all of the different vice presidents? How do you, right. <laughs> you know, because... This has been one. This oh. is one of the things that I asked Jimmy about. Like, how do you know which one of us is lied? I, like, how do you know which one of us is is giving you the good information? Like, how do you filter through so I, that? So, in full transparency, you know, so I'm I'll be entering into my third year. It doesn't seem like it's been that long, but but it'll be my third year in in, in July. And um, you know, I, I can say that I, I think that I'm a towards that end. I'm still a president in progress. Um, in terms of deciphering and filtering through information, I can tell you this: in 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 my almost three years, I, I was just we just had a cabinet meeting last week, and I told my cabinet, I said, "Look, I don't want somebody telling me about uh, well that I'm trying to stay in my lane. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't want to throw nobody under the bus. I'm operating that philosophy <laughs> at all." Everyone around this table is accountable for this institution. So if 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 the vice president A and vice president are done, and you see where you can step in and get it done, and you and you don't step in, you just let you, you let the institution suffer. I leave as I need around the table. Yeah. And if that bothers, 
Because you think that someone stepping in your lane, but nobody got to step in your lane if you own your stuff. What you doing people to do, then, but, 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 so, you know, in terms of getting information, don't bring me, don't bring me a problem unless you can bring me at least two, three solutions. Mm. I don't want to hear it. I, I, I'm not a person for excuses. I just, my mama raised me like that. Like, my mom would say, go, 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 go get, go get a glass of water. Well, there's no water. I, I don't see the water. Well, stay there until you, until you find it and then bring it back to me. Mm. That's just the kind of I'm always operating. So if, if you have a task and I give you the task and, and, and you say, well, we don't have X, I don't really want to hear that. I'm, 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 I'm empowering you as the leader to be innovative and find a way for us to get it. Yeah. Or at least come to me and say, we don't have it this way, but Mr. President, I've thought about this and, and we can do A, B, and C. I got A, B, and C already. Can you get me deep? Yeah. I, I, Those are the kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Those are the kind of conversations that I'm interested in. Anything outside of that, I don't have time for, man. You I, know what I mean? I, I don't like, have time for. I like the fact that you said that you're, you're still evolving. And much so much is true for me. Uh, in this second presidency, one, I've I've learned what to sweat and what not to sweat. Um, but second, yeah. I'm still um, working through that. I got to stay off social media. That's my problem. Oh yeah, yeah, it's nah, the millennial man, I, in me. I, you I know what? I, I don't know that it's the millennial <laughs> in you. Like I, I have a general rule, right? I, you know, people are always going to to say bad things, um, but I I make sure like if I if I have an issue that's growing out of hand. Um, I'll right. always say, Hey, uh, you know, how can I help you? Uh, please contact me, yep. give them my yep. cell phone number. Yep. And there have been times right. when I've, you know, really said, Hey, that's not accurately, you know, that's not an accurate depiction. Here's what's going on. And here's right. what we're doing next. Um, please come talk to me, please come see me. And it, it quiets things down, but I, I, right. um, I'm, I'm real cool now, but the point that I wanted to make that that resonated with me is this uh, evolution. Um, I am still evolving and my cabinet, our team is pretty dope. We're getting to this, this synergy where um, they are understanding who I am um, and right. they are managing up. And I think that's the greatest right. um, attribute that any leader who is serving right. Uh, with someone that they report to is knowing how to manage, uh, manage up. Cause I, oftentimes I go into meetings, um, knowing what I want to do and I hate it, but you know, when four or five people tell me, nah, pimp, I think this is, you know, this is the right way to go, Mr. <laughs> President. Right. Um, I don't right. like it, but I understand that they're probably right. And to right, their credit, right. my team's credit, they've been able to move me from, I'm talking about cemented uh, thoughts and right. notions that I've had. And, and I'm, I'm grateful because my first presidency, I don't know that I was there. Um, and that probably mm -hmm, had mm -hmm. more to do with time. I was only, you know, in that presidency for two years. But I think I've hit a stride right. now. And my comfortability really is more about helping people, one, be their best um, self to get to wherever they want to go um, three and probably in reverse order carrying out the mission right. of the institution. Um, right. and so, I, think, I think it's key that you, 
that you know what you know, but know what you don't know. Yeah. Um, and and I think it's imperative to your point. You know, I can, I can, it's, I, I will admit that I'm, I can be um, difficult to move when I've made up my mind on something. But what I am finding is that, you know, as 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 my leadership ethos evolves. Um, that it's important to surround yourself with people that can speak um, to, 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 to broaden your perspective. If not, then what's the purpose of having a team? And so, you know, I, I, I think I'm, I'm beginning to, to, to experience and certainly really value the contributions of the team um, that, that I've been blessed to, to, to leave and, and, and lead and serve. At EWC, and the interesting thing about it is, you know, I have a really multi-generational team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got, you know, uh, it's an interesting kind of conundrum. Uh, my mentor, that's now my provost, uh, Dr. Alvin, that came out of retirement to be my provost. So mm-hmm. she brings a perspective from that baby boomer generation. Yeah, yeah. You know, in, in my student success area, that's uh, you know, young, you know, bright. Um, Vice President um, and Mandrake Miller, as you know, as you know, um, I, I've got you know mid 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 level um, or at least mid career um, kind of folks as well that are on our cabinet. I've got yeah. a CFO that's been there for about twelve or fourteen years, so it's a good it's a good mix um, of different skill sets, um, and and you know. I think one of the things that we have to do as leaders is, is listen to our folks. We, we can't get so caught up in our own hype. Yeah. Um, because many times they're the ones that are on the ground that have their ear to the ground um, that can bring you the information uh, so that you can make sure you're making an informed decision. Um, so and it's I, important that, we, that think, we listen to our folks. I think you're absolutely right. And I, I, I like to listen to my folks. I also like, um, I walk to campus every day. Um, so I, yeah, you know, yeah, I'd like yeah. to get some information. Sometimes the information coming in the cabinet meeting is, uh, not inclusive yep. of what the people are saying as well. Um, right, but I, right, but, right. but to your point about diversity and diversity of thought and respecting diversity of thought, I, I was intentional about making sure that I had just as many women on my cabinet oh, yeah. as I did <laughs> yep. men. And, um, I, 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 wanted people who had the mental requisite to understand that I wanted them to do two things. One, know that there was opportunity for pushback, uh, but mm-hmm. to be pristine clear about when not to push back. Right, 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 right. And how to push back. And how to push, push back. back but yeah, yeah. Clear, right? yeah, yeah. Right, right. So right, we, right, you know, right, we right. have pretty good, we have pretty good conversations, um, you know, and I, I, look, I know I'm the president. I'm, I'm not a person who wants people to call me doctor or Mr. President or this or that and the other. I call my cabinet members by their first name. They don't call me by my first name, but right. I don't think that I would blink if one of them called me by my first name. I'm clear that you can't take oh, none of this stuff to yeah, heaven, yeah. right? You can't, you can't take it to heaven with you. But yeah. at the end of the day for me, making sure that I have uh, uh, leaders who are kind to the people who they're entrusted uh, to lead that that's more important than anything else, man. Having a healthy workforce. Yeah. Embodying that spirit of service. 
Yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, my my natural self, Zachary, uh, tends to, to towards the more informal as well. But what I found is that I have to be a little bit careful because of my age. Um, I have to be careful about um, not uh, lending uh, space for there to be, uh, and it's not so much about me, but the office of the president. Let me help uh, you with that. Not it's... letting that become so familiar to uh, where, absolutely. Um, and, 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 and because of my age, I'm just yeah. honest with you, you know, it's much easier for folks to be, yeah. you know, oh, Zach, or, you know, what that young boy don't know what he's talking about. Whatever, Familiarity whatever. And breeds I, contempt. I, I, Content, exactly. That's it. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. That's, even that's amongst, what it you is. know, even amongst, you know, as I'm out with alums and others, again, especially coming behind a baby boomer. Yeah. You know, that, that you know, um, I've kind of had to straddle that line in some interesting ways in terms of, you know, Man, how listen. I comport myself. <laughs> you know, I'm. Ageism is real. I, I may show up on the campus with, you know, I, I, I wear J's. Like, yeah. that's what I do. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, you come to my closet, you know, I got I got every jade you can think of. Wow. All the colors, you know, like, you know, that's that's I, I may have one of hoodies. Yeah, That's ageism, you know ageism I mean? is is real. So I understand what you're saying, and yeah. and you you hope that people um, can be walking across the campus with you, and you joke um, and have fun. But then you get into a meeting, and they understand that the decorum has changed, the the place has changed, right, everything right, else has right. changed. I'll tell you right, a really right, funny right. story about ageism. Um, I was in a situation. Um, where um, I'm not going to say which board, but a board um, that I was um, hired by uh, thought that my a board member thought that my suits were too tight. Wow! And and wow. said to me, uh, you know your your you know your suits, uh, you, you might want to find one that's a little less tight. And so I was. I was, I mean, thrown off. So I I did, let me tell you what I did. Let me tell you what I did. And this was during a board meeting. So um, I went home and from that evening to the next morning, I did nothing but push-ups. And and I tried on... All of my suits, the one that was yeah. the most snug yeah. is the I'm one that I wore, too. right? I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I, I don't know if that's good or bad, but I'm going to do it, too. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you, you know what? I, I remember telling yeah. this story with some old heads and some young heads, and it was kind of mixed. They were like, yeah, you probably shouldn't have did that. Yeah. But for me, I don't think nah, they understood no. ageism. And so I know right, that they would have right. never done that to my predecessor. Um, And it was really about me showing them as uh, Tony Pinkard would say that, you know, that factor, that MF in factor. I I have that. I want you to be clear. You chose me to do this job because of resolve, a steely resolve. uh, And I am my own person. So because I have a tailor made suit, let's be clear, not fit. And I I didn't want to point out that they were a little, you know, uh, robust around the belly area. So there could have been some other things around there, but, but it it happens and it happens um, often, you know, being a young 
leader or a person who appears to be young has its challenges right. as well. They do. Right, right, um, right, right. We, we've had a really rich discussion, man, and mostly heavy. So I'm, I'm going to light it up as we, uh, we, we wrap, we wrap, wrap this thing up. I was going to ask, um, I'm, I'm going to ask you, uh, some rapid fire questions. Um, and okay. I will ask this one just because, but I already know the answer to it because you've alluded to it. So J's okay. or Wands. Oh, Jays, all day, every day. Polo and Jays, baby, straight from the A-Town. Polos and Jays, that's how we do. Polo uh, and Jays. You your, see what, me, I'm going to have on some polo, and I'm going to have on some Jays. What's your favorite dessert? Apple pie. Are you serious? No doubt about it. Yo. Apple pie, give me a little a little, a little vanilla ice cream on that bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> we could just go. Yo, man, uh, was just talking about it, and Vicola was like, yeah, I, I don't, it doesn't even have to be like like fancy, just something sloppy, some apple pie, some oh, yeah, apple, exactly. with, yeah, but whatever. Uh, apple, make sure that crust is nice. Hilarious. Oh, to go. Hilarious. Uh, Jordan, Kobe, and LeBron. Put those in order. Yeah. MJ, Kobe, LeBron. You, you had them in the right order when you, when you first talked. When you first, when you first spoke to them, you had them sound, in the right order. Sound like we got a little. Sound like we got a little, a little, little, little LeBron hater in the house. It, it, nah, nah. LeBron okay. just, you know, he, he don't have that killer for me. Okay. You know what I'm saying? When it get down, when it get down, when it get down to game time, who do you, who, who do you want the ball? Who, whose hands do you want the ball in? Yeah. Kobe. Emma. Yeah. You're a killer, man. And I, I probably, I probably resonate more with that personality too, because I like to, like I wanna, I, I don't want to come off wrong, but I want, I want to kill you. Like I want to, oh, yeah, no, I no. want to just win. No, no. I want to, you know, I, I want, I want to beat you. Yeah, if we're, like, if we're competing, I think Jordan said it's best. <laughs> right. I, Jordan had a quote that I think he said, "If you don't come to play, I will dominate you." Period. Exactly. Like, and, and, I mean, love and, you with the love of yeah, Christ, but yeah. in between these square lines, hey, I'm trying to get you. No doubt about it. Um, uh, let's see. Um, George Bush one or George Bush two? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Neither. I can't. I can't. Ooh. I. I mm, I tell you this, man. What, what's 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 interesting is that they're really good human beings, and I know a lot of people believe, will take yeah, issue with I, that. I, I absolutely, um, believe but that. getting absolutely getting to know them and getting to understand story, I, you know, politics and leadership is messy, and I think a lot of times we have a difficult time differentiating. Um, the policy uh, leaders and makers uh, over the the human beings that that they are, but you know, reading their autobiography. I'll do this one for you, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do this one for you. I'll take either one of those bushes over our current president. Watch out now! I, 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 hey, hey, remember, brother, we are apolitical <laughs> now. Now we're gonna we're gonna scratch this part out now. Um, <laughs> No, no, I got so. you. I got you. And, 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 you know, to be fair, uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, this this current commander in chief uh, and a lot of people are going to have a hard time swallowing what I'm about to say. But he has done he has shown up for HBCUs and and I will 
and that I can. That ain't hard for me to swallow at all. Well, it, it's it's yeah. not, but it's it's hard for a lot of people because again, they, you know what yeah. what he yeah. is as a human being, uh, and what he what he allegedly has done what for his us. But, been yeah, our state. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's, I, I it's kind of hard to reconcile. Yeah, it is. But you know, just for the record, so people know the Katrina loans that he forgave four hundred, almost five hundred dollars, five hundred million, and they were trying for years to get that. Um, uh, forgiven through the Obama administration, um, the the deferment yeah. uh, for 13 yep. HBCUs. Uh, we have been trying to do that, didn't happen. Um, pale highest it's ever been. Title three money higher it's ever been. Well, you know, listen, you know, I'm gonna give it to you straight, truth no chaser. Had you had you had you asked me compare this president to Obama, I would. I would have came. I would have came through. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I wanted, I wanted to follow up since I made the assertion that he has done a great deal for HBCUs. I wanted to get those facts because I know that there will be people out there listening that will take exception, and I, I really don't care. But I want to be factual. I want people to know that it's not anecdotal yeah. that the I say that. Pudding. The proof yeah. is in the pudding, right? Pudding. And and I am a you know I I am a liberal who has been a yellow dog Democrat, you know, just voting straight party. Period. Right. In my younger days, but now I'm I'm right. more leaning towards an independent. But this had, yep. It, yep. my statement had nothing to do with politics. Um, what is the um best time of the year on campus graduation freshman orientation mm. or founders day mm, that's tough mm. I, 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 seasonally i like I, I say the fall i mean this the newness of the new year mm-hmm. with the orientation and, and, and students that are all kind of excited particularly freshman students that are coming to the institution for the very first time even seniors, this is their last go around. The, the, the excitement, the, the, the anticipation of uh, them graduating, I, I think you kind of get that mix of all of that in, 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 in early September around that time. Um, so I said that's probably my favorite time of the academic year. Okay. Um, what is your hope for the space? As we close this out, I'm going to ask you that question. Mm-hmm. And my final question will be, you know, parting thoughts. But what's your hope for the HBCU space, man? Wow, that's, um, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a, a deep question. Um, I, I think sustainability. Um, uh, you know, I, I was having a conversation with someone recently um, uh, a, a, a group, I won't name what the had, um, was soliciting some conversations amongst um, HBCU presidents and uh, were kind of engaging us in some discussion around priorities that, that, that would be um, supportive towards the HBCU space. And I talked about the fact that I, for me, um, I'm not looking for one-offs anymore. Um, I would like to see HBCUs become more self-sustaining. And what I mean by that is, so, you know, even as we laud the the tremendous benefit um, of, you know, legislative funding, um, you know, that has its place. It is absolutely desperately needed and necessary. Um, 
when I look at, for example, um, the endowment at, at EWC and understanding how endowments work, how endowments, you know, compared to, to Johns Hopkins University or uh, a, a, a Harvard or Yale or, you know, even, you know, some of the other, you know, Ivy Leagues that you hear about, how, how, how those endowments create self-sustainability to a very large extent, especially you know, I think it resonates for me just as, as we're working through this COVID-19 crisis and, you know, some of the things that, you know, we are sacrificing to do for our students that, that, that EWC and HBCUs have always done, but how literally when we make those decisions, we're hedging our bets on our students um, and hoping for a lifeline um, because there is no rainy day fund for many of these institutions. Um, and so my prayer, my hope, um, is that in investment in these institutions in a sustainable way, um, that breakthrough um, partisanship, that breakthrough us needing to um, align ourselves with this party or that party or this personality or that personality, uh, you know, that's gonna exist to some extent always. But, you know, when I look at across the landscape, you know, outside of the HBCU sector, we don't see nearly as many of those institutions that have to, and this might not be the right word, but I'm going to use it anyway, that have to capitulate um, to the extent that sometimes I found as president that we're almost forced to do because of our tremendous resources. And of course, there's, there's certainly the historicity behind that in terms of discrimination and uh, intentional uh, efforts to uh, impede our access to capital and resources. But that's my hope. My hope is for uh, investments of sustainability and endowment and those kinds of forms that will truly sustain our institution so that we can be more self-sufficient, so that we don't have to um, be trapped or, or be um, beholden to anyone or anything. Uh, we can truly be um, what God has called us to be as institutions um, that are doing his work for his people. Um, so that's my hope. That's my hope. Heavy. And I think consistent with uh, just about everybody that I've asked that question to, man. Any parting shots on the way out the door, my brother? Man, just uh, again, man, love you. I uh, love this health family um, for uh, um, personally and, and uh, helping and supporting um, this work and this space. Um, there are so many people that depend upon your leadership, my brother, uh, and, 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 and the collective leadership that's represented through health. Um, you all don't know how many, you know, what an example um, you all are collectively for others in this space and the tremendous work that, that, that's forthcoming in the preparation that's going on. You know, I'm excited about where I see our colleges and universities in the HBCU space as we look over the next 20, 30, 40 years um, in, in large part because of the work that I see um, that's going on amongst the, the, the present-day leaders, of course, standing on the shoulders of the giants that came before us. Mm -hmm. 
and 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 what what we have learned and the insights that we've gained from them, us now paying that forward. And I think that health is probably the the the, the preeminent vehicle um, that's demonstrating how you go about doing that. So. You know, kudos to you, shout out to you, and again, you know, Dr. French and, 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 and Melva and, and, and Dr. Pinkard and just everyone um, that, that makes up the health leadership, man. Y'all are, y'all are dope. Y'all are dope. And y'all are, y'all are definitely down down for the cause and doing it for the culture. So we appreciate you, man. Man, appreciate love, y'all. brother. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for, uh, for your leadership. Um, thank you for those words. Uh, a brother in love and, and, and the struggle. Um, and um, just just grateful to have um, gotten to know you, man, and to be in this um, in this vineyard, laboring in the same vineyard with you, man. I'm, I'm truly grateful. I'm going to keep praying for you and, and First Lady for um, the, the tremendous job that you're doing down there. Pray that God keeps his hand over you, um, keeps you in the very palm of his hands. Um, and, um, and hoping that, uh, you will be one of the legends, um, who, uh, traverse the campus of Everwaters College, man, and, um, know that there's plenty, uh, folk out here rooting for you to do, do the thing and, uh, be successful, man, and you can count the health family, all of us, all 10 cohorts, um, to be in those numbers, man. We appreciate you, brother, and thank you for spending some time with us today, brother. I appreciate you too. No place like the EWC. My man, my man. Take care, brother.